Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to an emergency edition of the IndyCar Weekly Podcast. I'm Matt Newell, Indy Stars Motorsports Editor, and I'm here with our motorsports insider, Nathan Brown. Uh, we'll get right to it. Obviously, the big news is uh, Indianapolis 500 made the announcement. IMS made the announcement that the Indianapolis 500 will have uh, 40% capacity, 135,000 fans. Uh, Nathan, let's just give a give a quick rundown on these basics that we learned today about uh, what the crowd situation will be for the 500. Sure. So as you mentioned, Matt, um, 135,000 fans for this year's race um, amounts to 40% of what would uh, I think IMS traditionally considers uh, 350,000 fan capacity. They arrived at that number. Um, originally they had sold 170,000 tickets for this race, um, a couple of weeks ago, unbeknownst to, I think pretty much everyone, um, they actually did officially stop selling tickets and allowed folks to, um, essentially put in an application, um, I guess to put on a, a wait list or a wish list of sorts. Um, and a couple of days ago, last week, IMS sent out an advisory to current ticket holders, basically asking them. Are you in? Are you out? Um, in terms of attending this year's race, um, they ended up having roughly 30,000, 30 to 35,000 of those folks turn down their tickets and turn them in for event credits for next year's race. Um, and so that's where they landed. Um, IMS expects a handful of people to, uh, after today's announcement, continue to turn in their tickets to get credits. And when those folks do that, um, they will then be able to sell some more tickets to those folks that have said that they would like to attend but don't currently have tickets. And that's how we get to uh, 135,000. Um, as far as some of the um, other big news items surrounding the race, uh, the race will not have concerts on Legends Day, Carb Day, or the Snake Pit. Um, that's largely due to access to the infield for the most part, being closed off, um, minus the Pagoda Plaza and the, the tower terrace seating areas um, in and around the track. Um, as far as other events, around the 500, fans will still be allowed to attend practice, attend qualifying, attend the GMR Grand Prix on May 15th. Those events will all theoretically have a cap of 135,000 fans as well. Those uh, those events, those days on the calendar have long not reached that. So it's not really even a cap. Um, fans can, for the most part, freely attend those events. They will not be allowed to park in the infield. So you have to park outside the track, walk in through some of the tunnels. Um, and that is where you'll be able to reach the track. And then I believe for practicing qualifying, um, I believe it might be closed off just to seating on the outside of the track. Um, Tower Terrace seats will then be open on race day, but only for folks who have tickets. 
Um, additionally, for the GMR Grand Prix, uh, what I think is for the most part traditionally a general seating event, that event will have ticketed seats. So if you're planning on attending that, um, you will be getting information on where your specific seat will be. Um, we asked Mark Miles and Doug Bowles about the situation around the local blackout for the broadcast. Um, it's a decision that they have not yet come to. My, uh, my, my best guess, um, similar to what they did last year, is that they will reach that uh, upper bar on their capacity as they did last year initially around that um, 25% mark that then, of course, was lowered to zero. Um, when they reach officially 135,000 tickets confirmed, my best guess, because this is a limited um, attendance event, there's lots of folks that don't necessarily feel comfortable attending this race during the pandemic, is that they will lift the blackout. We haven't heard that yet, um, but that's what I would expect. Uh, folks who have secured silver or bronze badges will still be able to use those with a caveat this year. You will have to prove um, to IMS in a way that we have not yet heard information about. Uh, you have to prove that you have been vaccinated um, and are all set with those, whether it's one shot or two shots for the avenue that you took. Um, that is all essentially in trying to keep the paddock as safe and healthy space as possible at this point. Uh, IndyCar's um, traveling party has been vaccinated um, well above a 90% level. And Mark Miles said that he hopes to get that up as close to 100% as possible. For those um, folks in the IndyCar paddock who wish not to or cannot be vaccinated for whatever reason, um, they will have to continue to undergo daily uh, COVID-19 tests and we'll have to return negative on those every day to have access within the paddock. Um, but for fans, uh, they, they just don't have the infrastructure to, you know, be testing people every single day if they have a badge and the, the number of credentials and badges will probably be down around one third of what we're used to. So even that area won't be, um, quite as congested as, as we're used to, uh, as far as when folks will receive tickets, uh, Doug Bowles said that will not be this coming week, but the week after. So that would be the first full week in May, starting with May 3rd is when he believes those will start to be sent through the post office. So I would expect um, around that first week in May, probably mid to late week, depending on where you live, is when you can start uh, expecting to get that uh, blue envelope in the mail um, that I know folks get so excited about in the springtime uh, around Indiana and around the country? Uh, obviously, the big question is, did they make the right decision? I don't know that there's an actual answer to that. Um, at least uh, uh, we're not probably uh, qualified to provide it. But what's your, uh, what's your take on it? What's your thoughts on uh, how this was handled? I think Mark Miles uh, delivered a really solid explanation on where they ended up particularly with where the country is right now with the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, each state has now opened up eligibility to everyone age 16 and over at this point. So theoretically, if you were to go and try to make a vaccine appointment right now, um, reasonably within a couple days from what I've heard in most places, certainly here in Indiana, you would be able to you know, get your first shot and be well on the way to, to getting your vaccine. And when you're at that point where 
just about everyone in the country who wants to get vaccinated can be vaccinated. Um, I feel like you're at a point where in just about every way you should open up your event, especially one that is of this importance, both the, the folks that attend it and the economy that um, it helps drive to open it up to whoever wants to attend. Folks at IMS um, have done mapping and believe that by race day, roughly 60% of their fans um, will have been vaccinated. They do that by essentially mapping out who attends this race and overlaying um, the percentages of those demographics uh, of folks that have been vaccinated. So it's already a really high number, a number that I don't know that we're seeing any in any states right now. I still don't think it's quite at the level of what you would call herd immunity for that Indy 500 uh, fan attendance group, but it's certainly very close. Um, the groups in stands will have roughly three or four feet um, separating them. If you know your individual party will all sit directly next to each other, and then you'll have you know, three or four feet between um, folks on the end, so the right or the left. Everyone is expected to wear masks during the entirety of the race, um, whether in, or unless you're eating or drinking. Um, we will continue to see how, they, how well they enforce that. I'm sure they, um, in a perfect world, they will want to, but it, it will certainly be a tough thing to enforce. But when you consider all of that, I have to think when you're hosting an event, outside and with this much acreage as IMS has um, being able to call itself the largest sporting arena in the world um, that plays host to the largest uh, single day sporting event in the world. I feel like folks that attend this race can feel with a pretty good um, amount of certainty that they'll be safe as long as those around them that are, are also being smart and safe Um and when it comes down to it, they let folks that wanted to attend this race, attend this race. And I think that was a, a pretty good way to do it. And that, that essentially is how we ended up at that 135,000 number. Some people will look at that and think, you know, IMS limited the race to that number. And I don't know that that is necessarily very true. I think for the most part, those who want to attend this year's Indy 500 will be able to. Um, and hopefully we get back to a point in 2022, where you know, 250, 300, 350,000 people want to attend this race and also will be able to. It's been a pretty uh, interesting stretch here as Indianapolis has been really the, the center of sort of getting back to hosting large events with obviously the NCAA tournament and now um, the Indianapolis 500. You noted this, but obviously, uh, well, the first thing to note is that 135,000 would be uh, more than twice any other sporting event, I, at least as far as I could determine. Um, the largest event thus far had been a cricket match in India that drew 66,000 fans. Um, but as you noted, uh, it's a huge facility. Obviously, most of our listeners are probably aware of that. If, you're, if you haven't been to IMS, you really can't appreciate how big it is until you've been there as a young reporter asked to do a fan story and had to walk all, you know, walk around and talk to people and realize you probably covered uh, 10% of it uh, as I did early on in my uh, Indy Star career. Um, also being outdoors, they said it was uh, you're 10 times less likely to transmit the uh, coronavirus outdoors, I believe was the number. Um, I imagine this is going to weigh on people. I mean, we did have two people uh, die during the NCAA tournament that could at least, you know, we don't certainly don't know for sure that it was connected to the tournament, but it's not hard to make that jump. Um, the uh, but 
it also seems like IMS and the people in charge have done a great deal of uh, research and work on determining whether how to proceed here. I would agree. Um, some a couple IMF, IMS officials that I'd spoken to in the recent weeks really felt like you know, they wanted to get as many folks um, at this race that wanted to attend it as possible. Um, Roger Penske uh, had said probably a month or so back that he'd hoped that they could allow 250,000 people. Now, I don't know that that would have either been um, possible with the pandemic still where it's at um, or, or that there would have been 250,000 people that wanted to attend this race where the pandemic is currently at. Um, but it's a, it's a really positive thing for fans around the sport, um, for this city, for this state, um, for the, the racing community in general, and certainly for um, the, the sponsors at this race. I mean, a, a big part of um, last year's race, but there were, there were no fans. And so sponsors were certainly paying teams a heck of a lot less um, for their deals around the 500. And that left a couple teams just kind of barely able to get by. Um, you won't have that maybe quite to that level this year, certainly. Um, and I think IMS feels confident that everyone who wants to be at, uh, the 500 will be there and not necessarily be at, you know, a, a bar or a restaurant or a party where maybe they aren't quite as safe. Um, I, I think IMS would put their plans for this race up against pretty much any way that you could watch this race with a large group of people um, as far as health and safety um, elements to it are concerned. So I think it's, I think it's a positive step. I think you'll um, start to see a, a lot more vibrancy around the Indian Speedway area, certainly than you had last August. Um, and given everything that we've gone through over the last 15 months or so, that will be a, a great sight to see here in central Indiana. Yeah, last year, I mean, it was really hard to think of attending the race. Obviously we were both there. So one of, you know, one of a very small group of people we were there uh, were part of that group. Um, and so on one hand, you know, it is still special, but it's really hard not to look, think back at that and somewhat think that it was um, depressing might be the right word um, just because there were no fans there. So it would certainly, this isn't going to be, I think what we're used to, but it'll certainly be a huge step back towards that. Um, from, I mean, you've obviously covered this from the beginning. What's your biggest takeaway from what IMS has done um, in terms of uh, making this happen? I think that the biggest thing that I took away from listening to everyone today, from, you know, kind of getting a chance to take a step back and look at all the facts and um, what all went into this. And, and I feel like they really learned from everything that they went through last summer. Um, I don't think there was any sort of a roadmap or a game plan that you could have, you know, looked at and tried to emulate if you were IMS and Penske entertainment and Roger Penske and Mark miles and Doug Bowles last year, but um, they, they went about it much more in a, I mean, flying by the seat of your pants is probably not the way to put it, but they were just, much more reactionary. Um, they, you know, made this decision in late June um, that they were going to certainly limit the number of fans that were going to attend. And, you know, they gave folks that option. 
uh, and then figured out how many folks still wanted to attend. But at that point, we were still five or six weeks out from the race. The pandemic was uh, not trending in the right direction. We certainly were nowhere near having a vaccine. Um, and it just feel felt like they took their fans on a really rocky, bumpy, confusing, frustrating ride at a time where all elements of our life were kind of that way. And I mean, I guess maybe the easy way to go about last year would have, I mean, easy is maybe not even the right word to use, but the, the easiest way to rid yourself of the headache that was last year's race was, would have just been probably to say in late June, we don't feel confident that we're going to be able to have fans at this race. We don't feel confident that at the, you know, the deadline that we're going to have to know, which is essentially four or five weeks before race day, that you could feel confident that things weren't going to get worse. Um, or if you needed them to get better, that they were going to get better. Um, I think they did everything that they could around that race in really trying to hold um, a race with some amount of fans. And yes, you could have had, you know, 20,000, 50,000, some amount of fans that would have looked minuscule there, but I don't know how you go about figuring out who that pool is going to be when you already had, um, you know, probably what a hundred thousand people that had said even amidst the pandemic that they wanted to be there. So I think they made the, the tough decision last year, maybe didn't get to, um, that decision in the, the best possible way, as far as what was, um, easy and great for their fans. But I think they learned a lot this year in taking time, doing all of that collaboration, um, all of that, all of those dealing, all of that, um, looking at, at metrics and talking with experts in the background, not making really a whole lot of noise, um, besides a couple of statements here and there that they kind of just needed to issue to buy their time to get to April 21st. Now we're here. I think we feel really confident that, um, the pandemic is not going to take this drastic turn for the worse over the next six weeks or so. Um, even though, as I noted in my story today, we're actually at the same uh, positivity rate right now that we were at on August 23rd in Indiana over a seven day rolling average. Um, the difference is, as Mark Miles said, we have um, this, this great benefit of having vaccines and um, virtually everyone, you know, over the next five weeks, I would, you know, it would stand to reason that just about everyone in the state of Indiana that wants to be vaccinated will be. Um, and for the most part, those that um, also want to be at the Indianapolis 500 will be able to be. And that's a, a really great sign of this city and this state trending in the right direction and, and getting closer towards that quote unquote normalcy that we've all been um, certainly hungering for over the last 15 months or so. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the, the positivity rate being so similar. Another thing worth noting, um, I, I cannot remember where I read this, but it was recently from an, a, a source that I learned to trust. Uh, uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be repeating it now, but uh, that it looked like th things had been going up in terms of the positivity rate recently. There had been some talk about some kind of fourth surge um, or whatever number we're in, but we've seen seen. 
Now, you never know. It's still early. You've got to keep waiting these things out the way um, the coronavirus has worked. But it is at least a small data point, again, in favor of the vaccines making a difference. And I mean, pretty clear that uh, without the vaccines, we wouldn't we'd be having a far different conversation about uh, the Indianapolis 500 than we did today. Well, we appreciate you uh, listening to our uh, podcast. Please go to IndyStar.com. We have uh, numerous stories uh, and have this covered from all angles there. uh, And we appreciate you listening. Thank you.